Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. So far, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the book of Acts and It's a continuation, as you know, of what Jesus was doing and teaching. And might I add that Jesus hasn't ceased doing and teaching. Jesus is still doing and teaching. He's still teaching through the Holy Spirit, through the church. Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still working miracles. He's still doing and he's still teaching. Amen, saints? Now, after 40 days, we've talked about this, post-resurrection, Jesus was speaking to them about the kingdom. And Jesus said, after my death, I want you to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the promise of the Father, which is the promise of the indwelling or the filling of the Holy Spirit. And last week, we talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the relationship of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Remember, we talked about that the Holy Spirit comes alongside, and that's the Greek word what? Para. And then the Holy Spirit not only comes alongside, but when a person is born again, then they receive the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit lives in them. And then after the Holy Spirit is living in you, then the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And that's a P. We talked about that last week. Listen, that to me is one of the most important teachings that a Christian can get a hold of. Today after service, you should go to the bookstore. I think they got some copies left. But if you weren't here, you need to pick up that teaching. We have it on CD available in the bookstore. But it's a very, very important teaching about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the importance of that. And so Jesus told them last week we talked about to tarry or to wait in Jerusalem and to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in verse 8, look at it in your Bibles in Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 8. Are you there? Say amen. Amen. But you shall receive what, saints? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, listen closely. Jesus is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what happens next, what happens next is breathtaking and amazing. In verse 9, look at it with me if you will. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, Notice as he went up in the Greek language, get this, as he went up in the Greek language implies that he gradually went up. He didn't disappear, although he could have. 
he gradually, in other words, he gradually just kind of ascended up out of their sight. You know, it almost reminds me of when, like, you take someone you love to the airport and you get them on the airplane, maybe grandma, because you're always sad to see grandma go. Grandma could cook. I mean, not that your wife came, but you, my wife can cook. I'm trying to redeem myself. Grandma goes, and she's, you get her on the plane, and you, what do you do? You stand at the airport, and maybe you stand at the window, and you just watch the plane go, go away, and you just watch and watch until you can't see the plane anymore. Well, that's kind of the idea when Jesus gradually ascended up into heaven, and the disciples were steadfastly looking up, and they're waiting, and they're waiting. They're like, oh, yeah, there he is. Oh, wait a minute, there he is. And, and there he's gone, and he's gone, and he's gone, and they're watching. They're watching until he goes. Why? Because they love him. Uh, they're actually sad to see him go. Now, I realize there are times when you take someone to the airport, you are happy to see them go. <laughs> I realize there are times when you go to the airport and you, you don't even want to stop the car. You just, you just say, you know what, I tell you what. I'm just going to pull up and you just jump out. <laughs> just drop and roll. And, you know, just, I'm just going to, I'm going to slow down. I'm, I'm doing 60, but I'm going to slow down to about 55. And I want you to just jump out, drop and roll, and we'll see you later. You know, and you just, you know, some folks, you just glad to see them go. Say amen, saints. Y'all know. Y'all know y'all got family like that. And so he just kind of gradually, because they're sad to see him go. And then notice Behold, now while he's going up gradually, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee. Now, I find that to be very interesting that these angels said, men of Galilee. Remember, he's talking to the apostles. He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to men that, that, that this angel's talking to men who love Jesus, who spend time with Jesus, who are real apostles and disciples of Jesus Christ. And he says to them, men of Galilee. Now, understand something. Using the phrase men of Galilee is almost like calling them country bumpkins. You, 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 you guys, men of Galilee, you, 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 you hicks from the sticks. That's the, that's the idea there. I find it interesting they didn't say, Bishop, oh, you holy men of God, Bishop, Apostle, Reverend, Doctor, Nothing, nothing like that. Just say, hey, look, hey, look, guys, man of Galilee is a very common term. You understand that? It's a very common term. So they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you, underline that into heaven, will so come in like manner, underline that, as you saw him go into heaven. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Verse 9, if you're taking notes, you can write this in your Bibles. Verse 9, beginning in verse 9, the events that are recorded in the book of Acts, beginning in verse 9, are post-resurrection. When Jesus had spoken these things in verse 9, did you see that? What things? 
the things we read about in verses 1 through 8, if you've been with us, the things about the kingdom, the things about how the gospel will spread, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts, the things that Jesus told them, and he told them, don't worry about the times, and don't worry about the seasons, about the kingdom. He said those things are for the Father. That's his business. Those things. When he finished these things, the scripture says, he spoke his last words on earth and Jesus was lifted up to heaven and they, watch this, will never see him in the flesh on earth again. Do you understand that verse 9 is a key pivotal point in the book of Acts? You know, we, we, we read the Bible too fast. I mean, we read the Bible too fast. We read verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, when they watch, and they watch, his arm go up, and the cloud received him out of his side, and blah, 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 blah. We read the Bible too fast. Verse 9 is important. It's important because it changes everything. Now Jesus is in heaven, and from this moment on, from this moment on, the disciples will now have to depend on the Holy Spirit. And don't you know that it was Jesus who taught them? Jesus loved them. When Jesus walked on the earth, he cared for them. Jesus was their guide. Jesus was their friend. Jesus was their provider. Jesus was everything to them. But now, Jesus is taken up. And when Jesus ascends, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. And now what Jesus was to the disciples, the Holy Spirit will become to them. What Jesus was to the disciples, the Holy Spirit becomes to us. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Pastor Rodney is not your teacher. I can't teach you anything. I can stand up here and is spouse scripture and I can stand up here and teach till I sweat but ultimately it's the Holy Spirit who teaches you and I know it and I see it because you know what I love it the one thing I love about teaching is that when when I read the Bible and we read it together and we start talking about it and then I see the light bulb comes on and I hear people say, aha. See, from where I am, I see like a little light bulb over your heads. <laughs> I see this in the spirit. Y'all don't see it because you're not spiritual. And <laughs> Well, I also see in the spirit a big question mark over your head. But it's such a joy to just see, you know, the light bulb. Come. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Just like Jesus taught the disciples and spent time with them and cared for them and loved on them and provided for them and comforted them and, and said, be, don't, don't be troubled. I'm leaving, but don't be troubled because I'm coming back. I'm leaving. Don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he soothed them and he comforted them. By the way, the Holy Spirit, one of his names is what? The comforter. The paraclete. In the Greek, not the parakeet. <laughs> I was talking to somebody one time. They made that mistake. They said, oh, they were being deep too. They were being deep. 
He said, oh, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I knew it was coming when they went, Tah. oh, the Holy Spirit is a parakeet. Glory to God. I said, my brother, <laughs> let me help you. <laughs> I got to. With the Holy Spirit, the paraclete will be to us what Jesus was to his disciples. You understand? Now, in Luke chapter 24, verse 50, they were outside of Jerusalem. Put the stories together from Luke and Acts. They were outside of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives near Bethany. After assuring them that they would soon receive power from on high, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, a cloud came down and he was lifted up and carried away to heaven. And I'm sure at that moment when the Jesus was lifted up and carried away to heaven, I'm sure the disciples were standing there with their mouths open. They were like, wow, look at that. He's lifted up. In a cloud. This cloud, I like to call the cloud the glory cloud. The glory cloud. It's the Shekinah glory of God. This is the same cloud, by the way, that led the children of Israel in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. This is the same cloud that came down on the tabernacle. This is the same cloud that Ezekiel saw departing from over the eastern gate. This is the same cloud that came down on Mount Sinai when Moses received a law. The same cloud that surrounded Jesus and, and, and the disciples and, and the three, Peter, James, and John. In Matthew chapter 17, on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is the same cloud, ladies and gentlemen, that the Bible says Jesus will come again in. He is going to come again in the clouds, the Bible says, with great glory. In the clouds, with great glory. I mean, think about that. The disciples saw Jesus rise from the ground. The Lord, clothed in his resurrected body, moved from the material world into the spiritual world. And the disciples are standing there, and they're staggered, and they're stunned, and they're shocked, and they look steadfastly. In other words, they were looking up, trying to see where he was going. They were watching and waiting as Jesus would float away. And think about this. Had you thunk it? The only instruction that Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended was to wait on the Holy Spirit. This is the one, the only single instruction that Jesus ever gave as it relates to the church. Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He didn't tell them anymore. He didn't organize the church. He didn't set things in order. He didn't put appoint a board of elders. Nothing. He said, wait. Here's the key to church life. Wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. A little sanctified imagination. I wonder if Jesus, if they're thinking, you know, Jesus, listen, because he's floating away. All he told them as it relates to the church is to wait. And he's floating away. And I'm wondering if they're thinking, you know, Jesus, what are we going to do with the church? I mean, Jesus, what do I mean? Pews or no pews? Robes or no robes? It tithing envelopes or no tithing envelopes? Offering boxes or take up an offering? I mean, Jesus, what are we to do? What about funding the church? What about seminary? 
What about, what about Bible college? Are we supposed to be Presbyterians? Are we supposed to be Episcopalians, Methodists, Baptists, Pentecostal, Baptocostal? I mean, uh, Calvinists, Arminianists, or Calminian. What are we to do? Jesus didn't leave any instruction. Why? Because the key, listen, the key to church growth and the key to organizing the church is not to suffocate the church and over-organize the church. The key to church life is to wait on the Holy Spirit. Just wait on the Spirit. The Spirit of God will tell you what to do. The Spirit of God, just wait on the Holy Spirit, you see? And that's why Satan hasn't been able to stop the church. Because we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> let me tell y'all something. Let me tell you a little secret. We do not know what we're doing here at Calvary Chapel. Okay, maybe it isn't a secret. I don't know. You know why? Hey, let me tell you something. Because we, we honestly, I'm just waiting on the spirit. Week in and week out. Saturday, I told you guys I'm home. Lord, what do you want to do tomorrow? Lord, what do you want to say tomorrow? God, how do you want us to do this? Lord, if you want us to change our plans, hey, the church belongs to Jesus. The church does not, you, that sign outside does not say Rodney Chapel. Thank God, because that sounds ugly anyway. It just ain't, it don't fit. You know, it's not, it says Calvary Chapel. It, it's, it, it's, it's all about Calvary. See, it, it, Calvary, it's all about, it's his church. It's not my church. And because it's not my church, then it's incumbent on me to get myself in the presence of the Holy Spirit and say, God, what do you want to do with your church? Jesus said, upon this rock, I shall build what, saints? Well, if we know that, then how come we don't act like that? With the board of elders. With the congregational votes. Better organize. Strategize. The direct and lead in the church. Yeah, you got to have a little organization. I mean, the church is going to grow and it's going to be a lot of people. And you got to have a little bit of structure, but let's not suffocate the church. You see, the secret, the secret is to be led by the spirit. Amen, saints. Be led by the spirit, led by the spirit. When Jesus tells you to do something, then you do it. When Jesus tells you, hey, get out the boat and walk, then get out the boat and walk. When Jesus tells me, tells you, give me my lunch or give me that lunch because I got 5,000 people to feed, give it to him. Whatever he tells you to do. You do it. Well, look at verse 12. If you're still with me, say amen. Well, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey, or that's about a three-quarter mile walk. And when they had entered in verse 13, they went up into the upper room where, there were, where they were staying. And who was there? Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of James. These, pardon me, in verse 14, all continued with what saints? One accord in prayer and supplication. Supplication is like deep, earnest desire in prayer, you know, deep prayer. They continue in one accord. Would you circle that? 
in prayer and in supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and Mary, the mother of who Jesus was with them, with his brothers. Now, the disciples, give me your attention. They come down from the Mount of Olives. And it's interesting because Jesus, we already know, he leaves from the Mount of Olives. Now, Zechariah chapter 14, write this in the margin of your Bibles. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4 says, when Jesus returns, it will be a glorious appearing, guess where? On the Mount of Olives. Zechariah tells us not only will Jesus come back and he's going to place his right foot and his left foot on the Mount of Olives. And when that happens, the mountain is going to split. That's what Zechariah tells us. So it's interesting that he was taken up in a cloud out of their sight from the Mount of Olives. And Zechariah tells us he will descend in a cloud into their sight to the Mount of Olives. Now, when you go to Israel... In a couple of months, we're going to go back to Israel and um, on the Mount of Olives, listen to me, on the Mount of Olives, there's a church and this church is known as the Church of the Ascension and you are charged an admission fee to come into this church. Whatever. Oh, I don't know. They do that in churches in the United States too, so... I'm not going to go there. <laughs> nope, we're not going to do that. But get this. Inside the Church of the Ascension is a rock. And in this rock is a footprint in it. And this is where they say that Jesus blasted off from. <laughs> I kidding you. It was, and obviously it was so much thrust when he lifted off that he left a footprint in the rock. This is in this church. And so two angels showed up and they said, men of Galilee, why are you staggered? Why are you stunned? Why are you shocked? Isaac Newton said, was it Isaac Newton who said, what goes up must come down? Was that Isaac Newton? Oh, y'all don't even know. Whatever. <laughs> we'll say it's Isaac Newton. What goes up must come down. The angels are saying the same thing. They're saying, hey, why are you standing here gazing? What went up? Jesus is going to come down in like manner. Now, why did Jesus ascend into heaven? Let me give you three quick and might I add brief, quick reasons why Jesus ascended into heaven. You're writing these down. Number one, Jesus ascended into heaven to prepare a place for you. Do you know? Did somebody tell you? Jesus, for 2,000 years, has been in heaven preparing the place where you're going to live. You're talking about a building project. I'm talking 2,000 years. You think your house is nice and carry? <laughs> where do you live? <laughs> All right. I picked on Garner people last week, so I got to pick on somebody else. It's a nice house all over Triangle, actually. But it ain't nothing compared to the house you're going to be living in in heaven, saints. Jesus has been building that place. He's gone to prepare a place for you. He says, and when I come, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. 
So why did Jesus ascend into heaven? Number one, to prepare a place. Number two, you're taking notes. Number two, to plead our case. Jesus ascended into heaven to plead our case. In other words, we're here on earth and we still have the enemy of the flesh to deal with. We fail. We blow it. Satan, the accuser, stands day and night, the Bible says, to accuse the brethren. But Jesus is in heaven to not accuse us, but to excuse us. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is in heaven. When you sin, he's pleading the blood over your life. Father, you see the blood. Jesus, Father, I died and my blood was shed for that sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you. He's our advocate. He's our lawyer. He ascended to plead our case. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 tells us he ever lives to make intercession for us. And then finally, Jesus ascended into heaven to provide us with power. To provide us with power. So the disciples go down the Mount of Olives, across the Kidron Valley, and back up to Jerusalem, to the upper room where they're staying. This is probably the same upper room where they had the Last Supper. It's probably the same upper room where Jesus breathed on them in John chapter 20 to receive the Holy Spirit. And notice who's in the upper room. It's just a crowd of failing, faithless, faulty, and frayed individuals. Peter, who died, who denied the Lord. John and James, who asked for front row seats in the kingdom. Thomas the doubter is there. Matthew the tax collector is there. Simon the zealot. Jesus' brothers who mocked him and laughed at him and didn't believe in him before he died. They're there. Notice this group of men weren't perfect performers. They were dependent believers. You see, God always pours his spirit out, not on perfect performers, but on dependent believers. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.